Hey, this is Blaine. I'm 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 getting at you. I'm from Seattle. You may remember me from the accused, toe tag, the accused AD. And right now, we're shouting out to Japan Nick's quarantine podcast. Come on. This is an interview with the accused AD and toe tag singer Blaine Cook on February 28th, 2021, by Nick Perkel. Now, Blaine, were you involved in choir or did you take any private singing lessons when you were younger? I, I did not. The only thing, the only musical thing I did when I was young is um, I played the recorder like a lot of kids did. That was it. No, not, nothing musical at all. I mean, I when I was in high school, I tried. I tried to play guitar. You know, I guess I could in the in the classroom setting. But, you know, I didn't really uh, I didn't have an ear for it. Can you give me a bit of backstory on some of the bands you were involved in before the accused, like 10 minute warning and the farts? Yeah, the farts, that would have been the first, first band I was in. And, um, we formed just probably right at the tail end of 1980, just kind of like back then when you just, you know, you'd have a bunch of guys and you'd decide that you were going to be, if you would, you were going to make a band. So, um, we made a band. Um, I was a singer and uh, Steve Hoffman, a.k.a. Steve Fart, was the bass player. And we were probably the uh, least musical of, of the group. And then we had a guy um, named Tom Hansen who, who played guitar. And he had, he had played in, in a couple other bands, so he, he kind of knew how to play guitar. And then our drummer was a guy named Loud, Loud Fart, um, believe it or not. And um, he was actually more of, more of a, uh, a guitar player than, than he was a drummer. And um, he he had been in some other bands as well, so he he had that little bit of an experience that uh, that we didn't have, and uh, we uh, recorded a a single that we put out ourselves. Then we had the opportunity to play with the Dead Kennedys um, a couple of times, and um, our next record uh, was on the uh, uh, Biafra's um, Alternative Tentacles um, label. So we did yeah did did a couple couple records on the, on Alternative Tentacles. Everything happened so quickly back then. So, you know, looking back, I would think that all this happened over, you know, a five year span. But it was, you know, really just over uh, just just a couple of years. And then by the um, end of 1982, we had had a lineup change. We got a new drummer. And that's when we had uh, uh, Duff McKagan uh, play drums with us. Um, And we we were still called the Farts. And we recorded uh, five songs with with Duff on drums, and then we decided to change our name to Ten Minute Warning, and uh, we did that for a little while while Steve was still in the band, and then Steve uh, Steve bailed; it wasn't his thing. And then we we continued on as Ten Minute Warning with uh, Duff had moved on to uh, playing guitar. And um, Paul, then we had, we had, we, we'd gotten, Tom Hansen wasn't into the band anymore. We had a guy named uh, Paul Soldier, who was our guitar player. And uh, so, yeah, Paul's, Paul and Duff played guitar, David Griggs on bass, and a uh, drummer by the name of Greg Gilmore um, was playing drums. And uh, Duff, Duff and Greg Gilmore had been in another band called The Living um, prior to that. And uh, then they kicked me out of the band. They continued on as, as ten minute warning. They went through um, a bunch of a whole whole bunch of different uh, 
um, bass players, um, and then uh, Duff. I don't know how long Duff, Duff was still in Seattle um, after they kicked me out of the band. I, I don't think very long uh, before he'd moved down to uh, moved down to California. And then around the spring of 1984, um, I got asked to join uh, the Accused, and they were uh, a bunch of younger guys that were um, up on, living up on Whidbey Island. And uh, so, yeah, 1984, yeah, I joined the Accused. Now, what was, like, the Seattle music scene like when you first joined the Accused, dealing with, like, the greater arts crowd of people, like the Zinesters, your college radio people, and, like, alt-weeklies? That was uh, that was kind of like before that. So, like, when, we, when I was doing the farts, that's kind of like, you know, kind of at that tail end of that original kind of punk rock type of the deal where a lot of those they were they were kind of like older older people um a little bit more on that arty scene <clears throat> and then you know by the time we were doing the accused the that alternative radio that thing didn't that, that that kicked on like you know maybe a year a year or a year or so after that um i, I think for for what what we were doing i mean it wasn't considered to be sophisticated enough. So we were, you know, this is stuff that kids do, you know, the music that we were doing with, with the accused, um, which was kind of, which was kind of interesting. I think still in the, um, if with people talk about, you know, the, the, the Seattle music history, I mean, we, we were doing a lot of stuff um, that other bands weren't doing, but I don't think we get that respect because we were kind of doing it more, more for the, uh, you know, all ages doing it for the kids. What were some of your favorite zines and alt weeklies to read back in the eighties and nineties? Um, definitely, uh, definitely Maximum Rock and Roll. Uh, Flipside was a was a good one. Um, uh, your Flesh was a good one. Um, in Seattle, the the paper that came out of Seattle was called the Rocket. That that was pretty informative. Um, and, you know, at that point in time, there's just so many zines that, that were that were coming out. Um, there was a uh, one that was local uh, called Desperate Times. Um, when we were doing the farts, there was a guy named um, Will- Willem Hugmeyer um, that did one called Punk Lust. God, God, so 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 many, so many of those. So, what was the original inspiration for the idea of Martha Splatterhead? That was so that we would be, um, we would continue to be um, appreciated by um, the writers at Maximum Rock and Roll. Um, so we uh, came up with with a, a, a female killer, kind of a psycho zombie uh, killer, um, and we figured if it was if it was a female, and she was killing men, um, we would still be able to uh, get some positive um, words spoken about us um at maximum rock and roll without seeming too sexist or you know going down any of those roads now do you remember what it was like writing amis for martha from grinning like an undertaker oh right <clears throat> writing those lyrics yeah i got because i was i had to get on the get in the thesaurus and the dictionary um to come up with um you know a bunch of um uh, uh, words that started with the letter M that we're gonna, that we're going to fit in that we're going to fit into the song, and then and then you know coincidentally enough being able to 
be watching TV and having a cassette player out where I could have uh, recorded the uh, the Sesame Street, you know, M. M, 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 M is for, you know, that was uh, a very uh, chance chance meeting with the tape player on the television. Personally, what was your favorite Accused album? My favorite one? You know, I, I, I like them all because they were all, they're all kind of like a statement or a testament to, you know, what we were doing at, at that point in time. Um, you know, there's definitely the, you know, the, the uh, pr- production quality and, you know, um, the, the recordings that we were able to do, you know, changed over the years. But that was just because, you know, we, you know, we learned more. We had the opportunity to, uh, you know, work with uh, better people in the studio. Um, I think the one that, you know, like for, from a musical standpoint, the one that stands out the most would be um, uh, the maddest stories ever told. And, you know, just be, at that point in time, we were able to work with uh, a producer by the name of Terry Date, um, who went on to do, you know, much, 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 much bigger, much, much bigger and better things. And um, he was really, really well connected. So he was the one that, you know, uh, was able to call up Sir Mix-A-Lot, who was a Seattle rapper, um, to come down and do uh, background vocals with us. And um, he was the one that was able to call uh, Kurt Vanderhoof who um, at that time was uh, in a band called uh, Metal Church, and he came down and uh, and played a guitar, uh, guitar part with us. Um, you know, I, I think that, 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 that recording thing was probably my, my most favorite. You know, you know, I like that record, but, you know, really, I really, I really like all, all the records, you know. Well, like, what was it like hanging out with Sir Mix-A-Lot? Did you guys get to, like, do anything cool or... Um, well, later on, after because um, Mad of Stories was the last record that we did on uh, on Combat, and then we uh, then we got dropped from Combat, and we did a did a couple of small things. We did a split single, and we did a twelve inch EP, <clears throat> and then we uh, um, we got uh, signed to uh, Sir Mix Lot's label, uh, Nasty Mix Records, uh, which was really really cool at that point in time. We were the only um, a bunch of a bunch of white guys out on the label um you know it was just strictly it was strictly you know uh west west coast um seattle rap that they were doing um and that was really really cool and they were uh their label was very very popular um uh, mix a lot was you know blowing up blowing up back then um um you know one of the coolest things about being on that label was they had a uh a, a bet black black entertainment television uh came out and um filmed this uh party that nasty mix through um on at the space needle here in seattle that's fucking cool but anything that i got to do personally with mix a lot um nothing um our bass player um alex uh quote unquote maggot brain sabald he uh in the early 90s was into uh, CB radios, and that was that was a big thing around here. And Mixalot was was doing the uh, CB radio deal as well. And he um, was, you know, they make these big fucking amps, have these big uh, banks of uh, uh, batteries in their in their vehicles. And uh, Mixalot was do, making a uh, a CB amplifier called the uh, Skullcracker or Skullcrusher. Um, so Alex got to Alex got to you know got to mingle personally with Mixalot, but 
you know, I didn't get to do anything. Nothing that I could say I did with him, you know, one-on-one. Can you tell me about the material recorded for the accused ADs, a ghoul and a mirror? Like, I know you had two different artworks and mixes for the album. Like, one (laughs) was for CD and vinyl, and the alternate was on cassette. Can you tell me about, like, just, like, recording that, but also, like, tell me about, like, the clear-cut differences between the two? Uh, between the cassette version and the vinyl version, yeah. Uh, uh, the well, the, the the cassette version has the um, first draft of the artwork um, that an um, artist that we work with by the name of uh, uh, Casey Angel, um, and the, the the cassette version wasn't wasn't mastered, um, which is just um, something that you do with the music before you before you send it in to get to get pressed. You know, they just kind of go through and make sure that you know everything is everything is right. There's no weird weird peaks, peaks or valleys, and um, so the, the the cassette version wasn't mixed. It was just uh, wasn't mastered. You know, it was just like kind of like the raw the raw stuff that we got um, after we were done recording, and um, that came out on uh, Dread Records, and then and we did that first because we didn't have anybody. The Dread, Dread Records agreed to put it out on cassette before we had somebody that was going to put it out on, on vinyl for us. And then we had it uh, mastered. We had Scott Hull um, from, uh, he's in a Pig, Pig Destroyer and uh, Agoraphoric uh, Nosebleed. Um, he, he, did the, he did the mastering on that. It just makes it, it just makes it sound, you know, I don't know heavier or whatever they can bring out you know a few subtle things that don't necessarily come out you know when the record's being mixed now, i've read on facebook you're going to be doing some recording in may i know maybe you don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet but can you give me some hints on some things fans can look forward to um yeah we're uh, we're gonna record in yeah uh recording in may Seems to be kind of our uh, traditional time we record. Uh, I don't know. We've got six six solid songs um, right now. Um, we haven't really discussed whether or not we're going to uh, release this as the accused AD or as we're going to uh, do this as a uh, as toe tag. I don't know. That's that's just about it. There's six new songs. We've got a uh, this new drummer that we've been working with for um, a little over a year. Um, which kind of you know coincided with uh, not being able to do uh, live shows, um, so it just seemed that you know we we still get together and practice uh, every week, um, so it just made made sense to uh, you know work on work on new material, and that's what we're doing. And we hope everybody likes it. Can you tell me the names of those songs? We have one song that's called Paraquat. Um, another song that's called The Witches of 128th. Um, we have one called uh, The Fangs of the Rat. And the other three, we don't, um, I've got halfway lyrics for two of them, but we don't, we haven't um, solidified the actual titles of the songs. As um, sometimes uh, the titles of our songs don't necessarily have anything to do with the lyrical content. Um, sometimes we'll come up with the, a song is going to be called something before we even have words for it, and they might not uh, 
they might not match up at all. And that's just just kind of the way we do it. Can you tell me about some of your favorite memories from running Zippy's Burgers? And do you have any advice for restaurant owners on surviving right now? (laughs) Um, uh, Stick it in there. Yeah, we've been we've had Zippy's now. This is going to be our our 13th year. Um, um, I'm just I'm I'm amazed uh, that we're still doing it um, after 13 years. You know, we're we're kind of um, lucky right now is that we're we are kind of established um, in the you know the neighborhood and community that we're uh, th- that we're located um, so we've you know you know we've d- definitely had a a, a a decrease in income um, from from the last year but uh, we haven't had to let anybody go um, we stayed open we kept paying our employees um, you know it's just one of those you know running a restaurant 101 um and that's the uh your staff comes first because they're they're running the restaurant you know you don't always sometimes you sometimes you have you don't get to get paid and that's uh that's just just uh that's how that happens um favorite favorite things that have happened while we've had been uh operating sippy's giant burgers well um much to my wife's dismay we were uh, featured on a uh, episode of the um, scripted reality show um, called Mystery Mystery Diners. That was that was quite a quite an experience. As there's really no no mystery about it because they come in and totally have cameras and lights set up in the whole in the whole restaurant. And they have you know it's you know I still I have a non disclosure agreement so I can't you know let let out too much of the details but um we were on that um that was funny they uh, gave us a uh, a mascot who uh liked to go get stoned and drunk and uh was being inappropriate with some of the young children um that was pretty cool and then we also um got a got a spot on uh on a Japanese uh, TV show um which was really really cool um can't exactly remember how we managed to swing that but um that was cool yeah they had a uh, yeah uh, a crew from uh, japan came in and, and did some filming i know it's been i don't i don't uh i don't actually physically work in the restaurant anymore i just do a little bit of uh i do the shopping and some uh, light maintenance and um a little bit of uh administrative duties um can't believe it's still going so lucky 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 number 13 year it's going to be better than the last year. I know it. Now, what would you say is your most cherished musical possession? My most cherished musical possession, I believe, is a um, hand-drawn T-shirt um, for a Seattle band called um, Malfunction. And um, one of the guys in the band yeah, drew it on a, on a white T-shirt with... Um, with with colored markers and malfunction they they went on later on to be uh, a band called mother love bone and then you know that kind of splintered off and they had you know green river and then that you know kind of went off into the you know you know directly indirectly into the uh the the pearl jam pearl jam world you know they were one of the uh pre precursors to the you know what later on became known as the seattle sound now, what is the absolute coolest thing you own when it comes to the accused in your personal collection? The coolest thing that I own is my Nasty Mix jacket. 
because you know back then you know we were all part of a gang and everybody had to have a jacket so we were uh everybody got these uh kind of uh black um kind of silky shiny um jackets that you would have worn <laughs> that you would have worn uh back there in that uh, uh 1991 1992 uh time time frame and it had our uh, our name was uh, monogrammed on the front of the jacket and then the back of the jacket had a patch with the big uh, nasty mix logo and I've got that, and I think that's pretty fucking cool. Now, what are your three most hallowed Seattle albums in your collection? Um, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily call them hallowed. I would, I, I'll pick, I'll pick three, three, three pieces of vinyl that I think, um, I think are great and have, and have in one way or the other, um, influenced me in, in uh, musically and i think the the first one there was a uh one of the original seattle punk bands um called the lewd and they had a single called uh kill yourself um i would listen to that uh, over and over and over again and then not not too long after that one came up came up i met up with these guys and they were in a band called soldier and that's where uh pa paul soldier played guitar in the band soldier and they they put out their uh they they put out a single all, all by themselves, I, you know that was that was so inspirational because that's what you did when you were in a punk band you put out your own records and that would you know prompted me to uh, continue to you know self release records up up until now so that first that that soldier single that lewd single and then and then then a couple of years later as things um, kind of started getting heavier um, there was a, a, a local band that was uh, called Queensryche. And uh, the the first EP that they put out, um, I, I thought was uh, you know a, a pretty monumental piece of um, he heavy metal from the uh, Seattle area. And then lastly would have to be the uh, Sir Mix a Lot um, twelve inch that he did for the song uh, Posse on Broadway. You know where he's he's driving around drowned uh, around Seattle and just talking about you know you know all the stuff that he's seeing and it's uh, you know it's a you know, it's not like that in Seattle anymore, but it sure was when the, when when he when he put that song out. What was your favorite urban legend or ghost story about Seattle? Um, I don't know that there's that there is is one. You, um, you know, up up here in the in the, in the Pacific Northwest, um, not really an urban legend or ghost story. It's the truth. You know, we have uh, Gary Ridgeway. The Green River Killer, um, you know, we had Ted Bundy was up here in the in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, the story of uh, D.B. Cooper, who had uh, hijacked a plane going in between Seattle and Portland, and he you know parachuted out with with a bunch of money, and um, they never found him. I think maybe they supposedly found the money, you know, some years later, and that's. That's probably still one of the uh, biggest uh, mysteries up here, not necessarily in Seattle, but in the uh, greater Pacific Northwest. Although there's supposed to be some, you know, Bigfoots up here in the mountains, but, you know, I don't know. And, well, and I guess some of the first UFOs were spotted um, over Mount Rainier in the 40s, but, you know, it's kind of before my time. Would you like to go back to any questions? Um, I don't know. Would you like? I mean... There, it's a lot of questions, so sometimes I, you know, I'm always afraid I'm not not given a much, given enough information, or um... I don't. Know, I guess um, 
for you, what did you enjoy, or what songs did you enjoy the most from uh, recording A Ghoul in a Mirror? I like the song uh, A Terrible Tale um, was a good one. Um, I like the song um, And the Devil Walks. It, it was a, it was a great uh, that was a great recording session. The only problem that we had was the uh, fellow that um, that was drumming for us at that point in time. Um, kind of wanted to do do things his own way, and I think there's some of the songs that were 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 pushed along a little bit too hard, and I think he um, overplayed the drums on 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 some of the stuff, which. Um, Sometimes you know vocally, I'm 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 trying to, I'm trying trying to project myself, but it's you know I'm trying to like sing sing over the drums, and that sometimes get, gets to be a little a little much. Okay. And I like the song. A, a comfort of death was another another one that I liked as well. That one we just we just actually just had a video put out for that. I don't know about 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 a month ago. Final words. Final words. Um, here's to uh, um, 2022. Let's just hope that everything is going to um, everything's going to work out, <laughs> and uh, the world's gonna the world's gonna open back up, and um, people are going to be uh, level headed and. Um, Find their inner peace, and hopefully we will um, see some of the changes um, that so uh, greatly need to happen um, in this country and um, around the world. Thank you very much. This has been an interview with Blaine Cook on Sunday, February 28th, 2021, by Nick Perkel.